Well, it's been a long time since I preached. Three months. Three months. It's a really a long time, at least for me. I was, I was thinking last week when I was here, I said, man, what can I do? It doesn't seem like I do anything around here anymore. And I even had this really weird thought, maybe I should start helping lead singing or something. <laughs> when I start thinking things like that, I'm really desperate to do something for sure. <laughs> but anyway, it's really good to be, to be back uh, to stand before you guys. And it seems like every time I'm here and I look this way, there's more and more of you guys here, and it's, just praise God for that. Uh, but today we are going to be back in the book of Romans. Back in the book of Romans. Back uh, when I started preparing this message, God put on my heart a story actually a hunting story. I think someone predicted I would probably have a hunting story to tell when I got back from South Carolina. Um, and I really debated about whether or not to even tell it. But since I wrote it down and it's on my heart, I might as well go ahead and tell it because you're sitting there wondering what in the world he's talking about now. But anyway, I was out on in uh, South Carolina, sitting on a deer stand. I've been there, I don't know, for a little while. And my brother texted me, he says, um, do you want to go to a church up the road a ways to go talk about missions to some a missions group up there? And I said, sure. So I packed up everything I had at my deer stand and drove back to the house where I was staying and I had just enough time to change my shirt and my brother pulled up. He had to drive in from town. So we went and it was a small, it was a group of children, you know, young children. And we had the opportunity to talk to them about missions. But later that night as I was sleeping, I, I got kind of frustrated because I was actually dreaming that I wanted to pray for all those kids that we talked to. And it frustrated me enough that I woke up because my mind would change to something else before I had an opportunity to pray for those kids. And um, I, I prayed for those kids. And then as, as I was laying there trying to go back to sleep, I started thinking about all the things I forgot to bring on my hunting trip. You know, there's always those things you forget. And as I was thinking about that, I was troubled because I was worried I might one day forget to forgive someone or to ask for forgiveness. It was pretty troubling. And then I became terrified because I might forget to love. 
or forget that someone loves me. And that may come on later in my life, but I would do that. But then I was reassured that even if I forget that God loves me, he'll never forget to love me. I may forget that he loves me, but he'll never forget to love me. So that was very reassuring. And the way that connects to what we're going to talk about today in Romans is, is talking about salvation. You know, if you were to say one one thing, maybe not the most important thing, but one big thing that God decided to redeem his people was for his love. Now he tells us that in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And today, and if you remember three months ago, I began to talk about this section of scripture and I called it the roadmap of salvation or the salvation's roadmap. And I may have confused you some about what that meant. Uh, so I want to try to just just briefly go through that and it'll probably take me the whole time so it won't be too brief. But just go through that road map just to help you to understand the way I thought about it and why I called it the road map. So before we go too much further, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we just thank you and we praise you for the opportunity to worship you today and to look at your word and to sing your word and to pray your word. Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we ask that you'd help us now as we begin to look into your word that you'll just clear our minds of all of our, our heartaches and our struggles and all the worries of life and just help us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. And Father, we just thank you again for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, and we'll read verse 29 and 30. Romans 8, 29 and 30, God's word says this. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And because of my background, this looked a lot like a a map to me. Um, if you fly an airplane, they have what they call dead reckoning. And when you fly an airplane, you usually go farther than you can see. You'll go 
you know, hundreds of miles away, so you can't see your destination from where you're at, from where you start at. So what you do, you pick out on your map different landmarks that you can see, and you can fly from one landmark to the other, and they call those waypoints or fixed points. And you might be flying along and you say, oh, there's a water tower. Yep, that, that, that's right over there where it's supposed to be on my map. And you'll see a church steeple and you'll say, yep, I'm still on the right course. And you do that all the way till you get to your final destination. <clears throat> and this passage started, looked a lot like that to me when I was reading it and studying it. And it begins with foreknowledge and ends with glorification. And it has several fixed points in between. And those fixed points are, um, first it starts off with the starting point is foreknowledge, and that's God's foreknowledge. Then the first fixed point is predestination or predestinate. Then the second one is called. And the third point is justification or justified. And the destination is glorified or glorification. So we see that these, this map actually begins in eternity past. Begins before the beginning. And it ends in eternity future. It ends after the end. You know, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds about that. And as I was talking with John yesterday, we were talking about some really deep things, and one of those was that God is timeless. You know, time is not affected, or God is not affected by time. <clears throat> And one of the reasons, the main reason I wanted to go back over this is because when I was much younger in other churches, this was a really a big sticking point with some people, predestination. Some people could understand it and accept it, and other people they would just flat out say, I just don't believe in predestination. And I think the problem with that is because they didn't understand what it was. They just took it as a very superficial meaning, what predestination means is, you know, we're just God's puppet on his string and we do what he says. But it's really not that way. Uh, so let's get started with this map. Um, I've already got out of my thing here. Um, the first point or the starting point is foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge, Virgin uh, said that God has foreknowledge, foreknew every man. You know, we can ask our question, is there, has there ever been, or is there a person now, or will there ever be a person in the future that God didn't know? You know, that's part of God's foreknowledge. You know, he knows every person. 
And when you think about that a little deeper, you say, okay, God knows every person that's ever going to be born. Every person that's going to be, every person that's going to be conceived. Because we think, and we as Christians believe that life begins at conception. That's a person that God has ordained to be a person. And sometimes they make it to birth and sometimes they don't. And we'll be talking about that in the next week or so, about the sanctity of human life. But every person that's conceived, God knows. He knew them. And when you think about that a little deeper, the heart of missions is in God's foreknowledge. In God's foreknowledge. Because when God knew every person, He could look at every individual person and He would look and there would be none. Romans 3 tells us there's none that would seek Him. None. Zero. Nada will seek Him on their own. So when we think about God's foreknowledge, we understand that the gospel began with God. It tells us that in Romans 1.1. Paul, an apostle, called according... I'm going to mess it up. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. God or Paul started that out because Paul knew that the gospel started with God. Redemption started with God. Salvation started with God. However you want to describe us coming to faith in Christ, it all started with God. And then um, Jesus even repeats the same thing. He says in John 17, 24, he says, For I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou, hast, for thou lovest me before the foundation of of the world. So he's, in that verse, Jesus is saying before the foundation of the world, God had given him a people. Before the foundation of the world. So this was before the beginning. Redemption is rooted in God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge is the very root of missions. And that's God's mission, to redeem a people for himself. We might ask this question to help us understand how there ever had, you know, I already asked that question, has there ever been anyone that's 
God didn't know. And he knew everyone. Um, would there ever be anyone besides Jesus to live that could live a perfect life, a sinless life? And God said, oh, that there was none. No, not one. You see, God knew, foreknew everyone before the beginning. And we can say that, yes, will God surprise in missions? Yes. He foreknew everyone. He foreknew everyone. I keep repeating that because, you know, when you really think about that, it'll blow your mind that God knew everyone and that there was none righteous. No, not one. So in God's foreknowledge, if there was ever going to be anyone redeemed, God would have to do it. God would have to call people. And that brings us to our first waypoint, predestination. He predestined some. He doesn't, we know by our own experience that everyone that hears the gospel doesn't turn in repentance and faith. Everyone that hears the good news about Christ, they don't, they don't repent. So not everyone that hears the good news is saved. Some reject it. So in order for any sinful person, infinitely sinful person, to be in the presence of the infinitely holy God, God would have to do something. And in so doing, that's where we use the word predestinate to describe that. God had to predestinate some in order for some to be glorified. You understand that we're not on a crossroad. You know, there's a song, a popular bluegrass song, talks about being on a crossroad. And, and you'll go to some people and they'll say, we have, we're on this crossroad. We can go to the right towards God or we can go to the left towards Satan. And when we understand God's foreknowledge and predestination correctly, we realize that we're not on a crossroad. Every one of us is headed to destruction unless God does something. We are destined for hell unless God does something. And that's why we must pray for conversions. We must pray for our friends and our loved ones and our family and our town and our city and our state and our country and the world that God would save people for himself. 
Because there's none that seeks after God unless God predestines them. And because we can't look into someone's eyes and say, oh, you're one that God predestined. We can't. So we must share. We must share the gospel with others. We must pray for their conversion. Just like Pastor Doug preached to us the other day, there was Lydia who was ready to receive the gospel. There was the woman, the girl that was possessed by a devil. Paul certainly couldn't say that she would be one that God predestined. But I think from the scripture, she was. What about the Philippian jailer that they had to get beaten and thrown in jail and locked in stocks? Now, Paul probably never met the guy till he was drugged into prison and locked in the stocks and the guy looked through the looked through the door and saw him there and locked it. So you understand that the ones that God had predestined for salvation could be anyone that you meet. That's why we must pray for them and we must share the gospel with them. Paul uh, gives us a series of questions in Romans 10, verse 14. He says, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You see how each one of those questions are answered by the next question which is answered by the next question, which ends at a preacher. And who are God's preachers? His redeemed. Every one of us that's been redeemed can tell how we were redeemed. We can tell about our life before Christ. And we can tell what happened when we came to Christ. And we can tell how our life was changed after we came to Christ. That's simply preaching the gospel to someone. It's not complicated any more than that. So that's why we must pray, pray for conversions. Pray that we'd have boldness to hear or that we'd have boldness to speak and that the ones we speak to would have ears to hear. And the second waypoint, okay, good, I got time. The second waypoint is this, and that's the calling. Now we talked about that three months ago, what the calling was, and we just, wrap the calling up in just three simple things. Three simple things, and they all had to do with God. 
you know, we've established that God is the author of salvation. He's the author of redemption. And those three things are is simply hearing the voice of the shepherd, which is Jesus, and following him. Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. And the calling is also just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see that in Romans 8. That it's the leading of the Spirit that brings people to salvation. Just following that. And the third thing that we saw was redemption is simply God giving the people to his son. We just read that in, in John uh, 17, that all those that God gives him, that they would be with him and see his glory. Those three things. God working through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to bring someone to salvation. Then the third part, uh, point the third landmark is justification. You know, as we look at that verse, it just progresses from the foreknowledge of God and those who he foreknew, he predestinated, and those who he predestinated, he called. You know, when you come to Christ, he's, he's called you. He's called you and you're responding. Can you imagine the creator of the universe that simply spoke everything into existence? You know, they, they have that microscope up there that, or not microscope, but telescope that looks way off into space. And when we look up into space and we see stars, that telescope was able to tell us that those things we thought were stars were actually galaxies and they were millions of stars close together that we could see. The God who spoke all of that in existence, can you imagine him calling someone and they not coming? puts it on your heart to come, you come. And I know that when you do come, just like me, you said it was all me. I just decided one day to come. But as some famous preacher said, when you walk through that door, that swinging door, that you thought you made all the decisions to get there and you turn around and you look at the back side of that door, it says called before the foundation of the world. You're called because God predestined you to come by his foreknowledge. And that's justification 
When you come, when you answer the call, you're justified. And justification is the hinge pin. If you have a door on your house, most of them have at least three hinges on there. And there's a pin there that that door swings on. And that's like justification because, our, because that's what every person needs is to be justified before a just and holy God. We need justification because God doesn't simply say your sins are gone. We have to be justified because we're sinners. A sinner must be justified. And that justification came through Jesus Christ. When God punished Him for our sin, our sins are taken away. All of them. Every one of them. If He missed one, it would be the one that I have. You understand that, that when we're justified, it's for eternity. For eternity. And that's why preachers call it the hinge pin, because without justification, there's no sac sac salvation. Everyone must be justified. And the only way to be justified is actually our responsibility. God says that every man, he, he commands every man to repent. And that's our responsibility, to repent. If there's one thing that we must do in salvation, that's repent and believe. Repent and believe. We must believe the gospel. And we must repent of our sins. That part is commanded to repent and believe. Then we come to their final, our destination, which is glorification. Glorification. Why is that important? And what is it? What is glorification? Now there's, I'm fixing to give you a really simple answer, but there's been, I don't know how many, probably countless books written just on glorification and what it is. But for me, for my simple thinking, it's really simple. Look at the text in Romans 8 again. I'm just going to read it again. And maybe you'll catch it as I read it. For me did, uh, verse 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And them, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. 
But you know what glorification is? It's just a shorter way of saying what's in verse 29. And what glorification is, is being conformed to the image of Christ. That's all it is. And why is that important? Why is it important that an infinitely sinful person be conformed to the image of Christ? Why is that important? It's important because that's where Christ is right now. He's in the presence of God. And the reason that is important is because Jesus left his glory and became a man. You've heard it said countless times that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And since all other men are 100% sinful, the only way we can be in the presence of God is to be like Christ. Sinless. Sinless. I'm fixing to read in Revelation. In order for someone from every tribe and every family and every nation to be around the throne, they must be in the image of Christ. That makes sense. We must be like Christ, sinless and justified, predestined and foreknown. Revelation chapter 5 to read in your quiet time when you can really focus on what's being said and the scene that's going on there. But in verse 9 it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Thou Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. We're all around the throne singing this song the redeemed are singing the song. It's a song that the angels can't sing. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Oh, I love to proclaim it. 
there is much to be said about these five points. And I just kind of briefly said a few things about it. It's been at the, these five points have been a division in the churches for a long time. People are afraid. They're afraid that God might know something about them. They're afraid that God might have predestined them and called them. Salvation is God's story from beginning to end. But we are then the benefactors of it. If you've turned to Him in repentance and faith, you're a benefactor of God's redemptive work in the world history all of time. If you're here, and I don't know why I want to say if you're here, because you are here. If you're listening, I should say, you have an opportunity today to turn in repentance and faith to Christ and be justified. And if you've never done that, do it. Please do it. Do it where you are. You don't have to go to another place. You don't have to come to a, a sacred place. You can do it right where you're sitting. Do it today. Do it now. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you that before the beginning you had a plan, a redemptive plan to save many people to yourself. You even said that every family and every tribe, every nation, there will be someone there that you've called and you predestined and you foreknew. Father, we thank you for that and we praise you. We want to worship you today because of that. And Father, we ask that you would do that work that only you can do in redeeming a people for yourself. That you would save many, many people at the hearing and the preaching of your word today, even now. And Father, we just thank you for that and we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's stand for our final song.